So this morning, glad to see all your smiling faces. Happy Sunday. Amen. It's funny, I see people at work on Thursday and they tell me, Happy Friday Eve. They see me on Fridays. Happy Friday. And you hear all that happy Fridays. I had one guy say, I'd say happy Friday too. He goes, uh, this means two more days until Monday. I said, are you ever happy? I said, man, he needs Jesus, amen? I love Sunday mornings. Uh, we can dig into the word and, and, and hear from God. Here's the thing, you can do that all the time with your own personal Bible study. Amen. But let me encourage you to do as you do that through the week. Do that with anticipation of coming together on Sunday morning to worship and hear from God together. There's something about when we get together with brothers and sisters in the Lord. There's something that happens when we gather together as the family of Christ. Amen? As the body of Christ. So, so this morning, we're going to continue a series that I, you didn't know that I started it, but I started it a couple weeks ago, actually three weeks ago. My wife goes, I hate when series gets interrupted. I said, I know, but we had some things planned out and this is how it, this is how it went. But a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how God designed us to be recipients of spiritual blessings. Sin and brokenness often get in the way of fully embracing all that is available to us in Christ. If we are in Christ, if you remember, I I spoke about it. If we're in Christ, we are chosen, adopted, redeemed, repurposed. And were purposed and sealed. Amen. <coughs> and, and this is the, the life that God made for us. But it can only be found in Christ. In Christ. So this morning we're going we're gonna to continue this. And we're going to be looking how God uses us. His people. For good works. And, and how he created us to live this life that is fully in him. But it's also full of his, overflowing with his grace. His grace. Amen. Thinking about grace. Did you know that the, uh, the song Amazing Grace is estimated to, to be sung approximately 10 million Times a year. It's considered the most popular hymn of all time. And it's uh, better than 251 years old. Amazing Grace was a beloved, is a beloved hymn written by a a man named John Newton. Now, John Newton was was born in 1725 in, in England. And he grew up in a Christian home. He grew up. Knowing Jesus. However, as he grew older, he strayed away from his faith 
and uh, became involved in a life of sin, which took him to work on a as a sailor that was actually uh, part of the slave trade that was going on at that time. And during one particularly stormy night at sea, um, John Newton's life made a complete turnaround. The, the ship that he was uh, on was battered by this fierce storm. They, they thought they were all going to lose their lives. Um, and, and, you know, in, in that moment, in that time, John Newton realized that as he feared for his life, he knew that the only one that could save him was God. And he cried out for God, uh, out to God for mercy. And, and he had this profound spiritual awakening. And after the storm, uh, Newton left the slave trade. Uh, he dedicated his life to serving God and he became a minister. Uh, he became, began writing hymns to express his faith and uh, gratitude to God's forgiveness and grace. Um, he actually was, was, uh, was one of those uh, who, who pushed for, for abolishing the slave trade in Europe. And, um, you know, he, he, he saw everyone as needing God's grace. So he wrote the, the hymn Amazing Grace. Um, it quickly became popular among Christians. And, and the lyrics of the song actually reflect Newton's personal journey of redemption and his deep, deep appreciation for God's amazing grace that saved, as he said, a wretch like me. Newton was saved by God's amazing grace. And it's that same grace that sets people free today. Amen? When we are prodded, when we are pushed, when we are pulled and drawn and, and, and our lives are opened up to who we really are to ourselves, that's all because of the Holy Spirit that draws us. But it draws us by God's grace. This grace is the topic of the second chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. So it's Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to dig into this verse. But let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you, Lord God, for your amazing grace. We thank you, Lord God, that that grace is the same as it was when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And all these thousands of years later, you are still pouring out your grace upon us. Father, I pray for those who have not seen and experienced this grace, that you would speak to their hearts this morning. Draw them by your goodness to that place of repentance. And allow us, Lord God, who have experienced that grace, Lord, to, to realize that in our lives today, we were saved to do good works so that others may know your grace. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us through the word. 
and change us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse, starting with verse 1, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you, were followed, when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Paul began this chapter here reminding his readers about their sinful States before Jesus' grace. Without God's grace, without that amazing grace that Newton wrote about, we would still be enemies of God. So that brings us to point number one. God's grace is an overflow of his love for us. Let's let's dig into the, the context of this this chat this uh, passage that we just read. It's believed that Paul actually wrote the letter to at the church in Ephesus during his first imprisonment. He wrote this letter to be a word of encouragement to the church. In Ephesus. And in, in this chapter specifically, Paul explained the far reaching implications of God's love for you and for me. The beginning of the passage, Paul states that at one point, everyone was set in their ways. All of us, at one point, were living far from God. Because of sin, we were far from God. As a modern day church, we can relate to this well. We often hear the Christian life explained as before Christ and after Christ. It's, it's kind of like we, 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 we were watching the, uh, the Chosen series and um, Mary it was the very it was actually um, when, when Mary had been released from her the demons when Jesus cast those demons out from her and uh, in in the in the one episode um, Nicodemus said can you explain this to me And she said, 
I was one way. And now I'm another. And what happened in between was him. See, all of us were one way before we met Christ. And if you haven't met Christ, I pray that you would yield your life to him. Because your life one way is one way before you meet Christ. And then it changes. And, and, and the, the thing that happens in between is you meet the Savior, Jesus Christ. The grace of God poured out on you. Some people have defined grace, G-R-A-C-E, as God's riches at Christ's expense. But before we can fully embrace this grace in our lives, we must first acknowledge our sin. We must first acknowledge that we are apart from God because of our sin. We must acknowledge that we need rescue. In the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, God's plan for the world was, was interrupted. Now, I will say this, okay? God knew it was going to happen. Nothing took God by surprise. What it, was it part of God's plan for Adam and Eve to sin? No. But he knew what was going to happen. And he loves us so much that he had already, before the foundation of the earth was created, already knew what he was going to do about it. But because of the fall and sin, we were separated from God. Now, there's many who may not feel like they deserve God's love. They say, I'm too far gone. I'm, I've done so much evil in my life, so many things that I've done wrong. I've lied, I've steal, stolen, I've cheated. You may have even killed someone. You think that you've made so many, what some people call mistakes. The Bible calls it sin. But because of God's love for us, according to Ephesians chapter 5, he made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. We have been saved in spite of ourselves. God loves us so much that he himself came down to save us from ourselves. He pulled us near to him through his son Jesus. And in our sin and in our flesh, we are, we are undeserving of this grace. In our sin, we cannot comp, uh, cooperate with the plan that God has for our lives. Without grace, there's no possibility of faith. John chapter 3, verse 3 says, unless a man is born again first, he cannot possibly see or he cannot possibly enter the kingdom of God. 
kind of daunting. It's kind of uh, scary. It's intimidating, isn't it? But God sent Jesus to reconcile us. And Jesus himself gave us grace. Gave us grace so that we could have a new birth. God loved his creation so much that out of his love, he sent Jesus. God's grace is an overflow of his love for us. God proved his love towards us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now that we've seen the before and the after, the the transformation that takes place when we receive God's grace, let's talk about what comes out of our life because of grace. Point Point two, good works are a result of God's grace, not to earn God's grace. You know, grace can be a hard pill to swallow, we, we often find ourselves thinking that we have to earn God's grace. So we have to somehow do things to, to kind of, yeah, God's given me this grace. And now I have to prove that I am uh, good enough for it. But that's not the way it works. And some, can, some others can develop an ego because they feel that they have done enough to earn it. Paul set us straight as he continues his letter, still in Ephesians chapter 2. Starting at verse 8, it's, he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Praise God. You know, we, we, we could think that um, and be tempted to, when we look at good works, that we, we're, we're thinking it of God, God i got to pay you back. i got to do these good works to kind of pay God back for all the things that he's done for me. But this could be further from the truth. Our actions, the way we live our lives, are the result of God's love for us. We can't brag about it. There's nothing that I have done in my life that makes me good enough to earn the riches that God has given to me through Christ Jesus. That's because we were saved by or through faith, by grace. Now, verse 10 says that we are his handiwork. 
Now, what does that really mean? God's handiwork. Now, some translations, uh, this, the word that Paul uses uh, when he was writing this, um, some translations uh, use the word masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. Some translations say that we are God's workmanship. The Greek word that Paul uses here is poema. Poema. The Greek word that is also translated as poetry. Think of it this way. Humans. And, and, and what God has created us through his grace, because of his grace, as being saved. We are God's poema. That divine poetry. We were created by God out of love. For a purpose. Remember that. You are created for a purpose. You are created by God for a purpose. We don't just receive the love of Christ and sit idly by waiting for heaven. We're actually called to be. Part of what God uses is plan for the world by spreading the good news. Amen. We were created for good works. It's not that our good works earn, us the lo- earn for us the love of God, but these good works are a result of his love for us. Our ability to do good for the kingdom is all because of God's grace. All because of what he has done for us. It is a, it's, it's, it's like we get to do these things for God. Not a we have to do these things. I mean, think of it this way. God has chosen us. He has said, I am going to, through the Holy Spirit, partner with human beings to have my will done on earth. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do the good works that God has set up for us to do. Now, he could have called Angels to come down from heaven and and spread the good news of the gospel. But he has called us to do that work. To To be the evangelists, the missionaries. To our neighborhoods. To our families. God's grace towards us becomes our grace toward others. Have you ever seen a toddler? 
I hope you have. We had one. We still have. He's still here this morning. But but toddlers are so funny because everything they see is it's like they see it for the first time, and their eyes get big and wide. And they just want to experience things, right? It's like the toddler I saw one time at a birthday party. They, nowadays they have these cakes. And it's, it's funny because, you know, I, I've, I've seen moms and dads get this little cake just for the, the baby, you know, first, second uh, birthdays. And they get the cakes and, you know, they kind of feel the cake, you know, and they, they start eating it, you know. It's like the, th- but the, the third birthday, they know exactly what that cake means. They know what it tastes like, right? So they go ahead and they get that cake and they dive right in. They smash that cake. They shove it in their mouths. And then they're looking at, they get up, they got all this cake and, and icing all over their face. And they're looking around as if to say, and everybody's laughing and taking pictures. But they're looking at us and saying like, so why don't you have a cake? Dig in, right? Dig in. This is good. You know, uh, saw one kid, you know, he took a bite and he grabbed one and he's trying to give it to people. This is good stuff. Good stuff. This is, this is a lot how we, view, we should be viewing God's grace in our lives. And our desire to, to serve him. When God showers us with grace. When God gives us this grace in our lives, the love that he just pours out into us. We shouldn't hoard it all in for ourselves. God's given us his grace so that we can extend that grace to others. And what we should be doing it is, is going to everybody who needs God's grace and say, man, this is good stuff. You ought to try this. This is good. We need to be extending God's grace as if it was our second nature to pour it out into other people. Just because we did not earn God's grace. We can do nothing to make God love us more or love us less. So no amount of service or sacrifice will get us into heaven. It's only because of the sacrifice of Jesus that we get to experience the eternity with God. And we will never be able to give that all of God's grace and we won't have any for ourselves. I will say this, the more that you pour God's grace into other people's lives, the more you spread that good news to other people, guess what? God pours it into your life. God's grace 
pours through you. Paul has a lot to say about other books, about grace in other books. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, Paul experienced God's grace. says, starting at verse 9, But he, God, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the first thing they wanted to do when they heard God walking in the cool of the day through the garden was to hide their weakness. They wanted to hide. They hid in the garden from God. Knowing that the sin that they had committed. Their weakness. They hid from God. From that time until today. It seems... As if it's better to hide anything that might make us feel less than. Even to the people around us. We want to present ourselves as being whole and unflawed. That's why you never trust a picture that you see on the internet of somebody. So many filters. I mean, I can show you pictures of, of, of filters with me. <laughs> some of them are funny. Some of them are weird. But there are filters out there that it can make you look perfect with no flaws. As a matter of fact, you go out to Facebook and Instagram and all those other uh, social media platforms and the only thing that people want to express of themselves is man this was a good day man everything went perfect you never see the the mother who is who is in desperation she never posts she had a bad day with her toddler We want to present ourselves as whole and unflawed. We, we view our, our weaknesses as hindrances or, or the bad parts of us. But where does God say weakness is bad? The truth is our weakness draws us to God. Our weakness allows God to fill in the gaps and to move in powerful ways. When we, when we try to do things on our own, when we try to accomplish things on our own, we, we run into trouble. 
Our, our, our weakness also allows the Christian body to function in the way that God desires. It emphasizes the importance of kingdom community and all the parts that make up the body of Christ. My strength might cover your weakness. And your strength might cover my weakness. Relying on God's grace also allows us to refine our dependence upon God. This verse in 2 Corinthians demonstrates that in this, in, in this life. If we all have Jesus, that's enough. If we have Jesus, that's enough. In this life. enough. Yeah, there are many times that if we could do things on our own, we will. Paul's a great example of this. Paul was first known as Saul. He was a, a, a Jewish Pharisee who ruthlessly persecuted early Christians. He considered them a threat to Judaism. He wanted to eliminate their influence. But God intervened. One day as, as Paul was traveling to Damascus, he had this life-altering encounter with Jesus. And in that moment, Paul was struck Blind, and he heard a voice calling out to him. Completely without sight. I don't know about you, but if I went, suddenly went blind, I'd be scared. I'd be scared. Paul spent three days in total darkness. He was weak. He was unable to eat or drink. And it was during that time of weakness, he experienced a powerful transformation. Ananias, a a faithful servant of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, was sent by God to restore Paul's sight and to baptize him. Paul's physical weakness there allowed him to rely fully on God's strength. And received the spiritual revelation that ultimately transformed his life. It was in that weakness, that blindness, that time when, when, when he had to rely wholly on God. Is when God transformed him into the man who wrote three quarters of the New Testament. Paul became one of the most influential people in spreading the teachings of Jesus Christ. Despite facing challenges, Paul never lost faith in God's power working in and through him. And there were many of challenges. He was was shipwrecked, beaten. He was left for dead. He was sought after to be killed. 
And Paul, through all these things, trusted God. Paul's weakness allows God's, allowed God's power to be seen in him and, and magnified through him. All these hardships, all these problems that, that Paul experienced, God used to show God's grace, not just to him, but to those around him. Paul's life is a clear example of how weakness can be made perfect in God's power. It's through our humility, it's through our dependence of God, on God, that his strength is, is, is most evident. Enabling us to overcome obstacles, share his love, and bring hope to others. I've often found that when I'm closest to God, I'm most dependent upon him. I've seen it time and time again. People coming to God in their brokenness and God receives them. And God blesses them. And as they, if they stay close to Jesus, if they stay close in their faith with God and the grace that he has poured out onto them, he uses them in powerful ways. And that should cause us to be grateful. When we get a full view of all God has done for us in Christ, we become exceedingly thankful. It's because he's there. God never wavers. His love for us is all that satisfies. His grace in our lives is what gives our lives purpose. God made you on purpose for a purpose. He intentionally created you. And if there's one thing I know about God, God doesn't mess up. God does not go, oops. And he didn't leave anything out either. You are not what you do. You are who you belong to. And God's grace is an overflow of his love for us. And as a result of God's grace into our lives, those good works need to flow through us. So we were created for good works. And the great part about it is we don't have to dream up good works to try to find and do. According to what Paul tells us, those good works are already there and God has already established those good works for us to do. All he wants us to do is to do them. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for that grace that you've given to us in our lives. Thank you, Lord God, for, for the tangible extension of grace found in your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for loving us just because that's who you are. God, help us see and recognize your grace in our lives. Help us receive your love and help us to long to share that through our weaknesses. That it's in that we find strength in you. We thank you, Lord God, that even though we're not perfect. It's because of your grace. We get to experience your perfect love so God I pray this morning that we would be encouraged to know that even though we are weak even though we are imperfect even though we may not be the biggest the richest, the strongest. Lord, as we lean upon you and your grace, your power is made perfect in our weakness. That, Lord, we can live our lives through grace. Doing those good works that you have given us to do. Introducing others to that grace. And in that, Lord God, you would be glorified. And in that, Lord God, others may know you through your son, Jesus. We thank you for that. As believers, would you pray right now? I talk to those who have never experienced the grace of God or they've never recognized that they've experienced God's grace. Let me tell you, God's grace is for you. He loves you. You've heard me say it, that even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came into the world not looking for perfect people because he was the only perfect man. He was looking for the broken. He was looking for the the, the ones that needed a savior. The sinners. So when he died on the cross, he died for us who are imperfect. And he took all that shame, all the pain, the punishment of our sin 
of our imperfection upon Him on the cross. And He paid the price so that you and I could have a relationship with our Creator. And all you have to do is is know that you need that forgiveness. Know you need a Savior. And admit to God that you need Him. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and, and, and that He rose again on the third day. If you believe that, then that grace is poured completely into you and you'll be saved. And all you have to do is pray. Pray a prayer like this this morning. Pray, pray, Heavenly Father, God, I need forgiveness. I'm a sinner. I am imperfect, and I need you. So this morning, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, took my place, the punishment for my sin on the cross, and he died for me. But I also believe that because he is the Son of God, he rose again on the third day. Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. Give me a new purpose in life to live for you. Because I'm giving my life to you because you gave up your life for me. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. God, I pray for those this morning who have heard your call, felt your grace and mercy, pulling them into relationship with you. God, I pray that you would give them a desire to read your word, And give them understanding as they do it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give them a desire to tell others about the grace that they have received. God, I pray that for all of us. No matter when we received that grace and that mercy. And God, I pray that those who have accepted you this morning... Lord, that you would give them a family of believers, draw them to a place where they can learn more about living a life that is what you have called them into. God, help them through your Holy Spirit to pray.
Church, I want you to be in prayer for those. It might be, you know, if God tarries, it might be years from now that they come across a message about God's grace through the internet. But pray that God would speak to their hearts. Amen. Look, I'm not sure if Paul knew that when he was writing letters to the Ephesian church or the Corinthian church, I don't know if Paul realized that almost 2,000 years later, those same words would be read around the world, being used by God to bring people into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But God, through his word, can move. Amen. So those of you who are watching us online, let me encourage you. Tell somebody about Jesus. Find a Bible. Get a Bible. If you don't have one, let us know. Contact us. Email us something. And find a body of believers that teach the Word of God. I think uh, the church here in Middle River is a pretty good one. Amen. Middle River Assembly of God. So let me invite you here if you live in the area. But if you don't, you need help finding a good church. Let us know. We'll help you find. We, we know of churches around the world that are teaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God. So church, homework. Let's go do some good works and give God the glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord God, for your word today. And Lord, as we dismiss this morning, we're not dismissing your presence from our lives, but Lord, we are being dismissed to go into the world and let others know about your grace and how much you love us. Father, we pray that you would help us to lean upon you as we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.